The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Thanksgiving is a very counterintuitive holiday in our culture. If you think about our culture and the way that we are wired up to think about the world, Thanksgiving really is, is the complete opposite of the way that many of us are taught to think about our life. I mean, how often do, 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 do a group of people gather together for the sake of reminding themselves that somebody else deserves the credit? Right? That, is, that is essentially what happens when we get together on Thanksgiving, is we're reminding ourselves that the things we have aren't due to our own work. Which is, which is not, the, not the way that many of us typically try to think about our lives. We, we like to think about the things that we have, the opportunities we have, the jobs we have, the house we have. We, we like to think about all of those things as we worked hard for those things. Right? I, I earned my position. I, 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 I paid for that car. I paid for that house. I, 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 I formed my children to respond that way. Right? We like to take credit for those things. We like to, so we like to understand that right, it was our blood, sweat, and tears that made all of this possible. Well, there's something interesting about Thanksgiving that, that, uh, that the sole reason we gather is, is for the sake of gratitude. And gratitude is only possible when you realize that what you have doesn't come from what you earned, but what was given to you. Because if you're celebrating what you earned, that's pride, not gratitude. And so what we do when we gather together, we remind ourselves that there are a number of things that we have that we can't claim responsibility for. That we, that we, are, we owe thanks to a very generous giver. And so that can be challenging for us when, when, when we like to think about things in terms of what we have done. When, when we like to think of the people around us. Where we, we, like our, we like our family to owe us thanks, not us give credit to somebody else. We want our neighbors to, to see that, they, they, that we should get a thank you. That we like our bosses to, to understand that, they, they are, that we are owed appreciation by them. Not that our, our positions, our opportunities, our families are simply a gift. See, what's very easy for us to do in our culture is for us to see the things we have and see the world we live. And we find a way to jump into the role of hero. Right, when it comes to our family, when it comes to the things we have, we immediately put ourselves into the subject that we have created all of these things, that we have earned all of these things, that we have done all of these things. And so the moment you become the hero is when you believe that you deserve the thanks. But the moment when you are the recipient, then you respond with gratitude because you couldn't have earned that. See, what's interesting is what many of us do is we begin to see ourselves in our own stories as though we're God. Now, most of us wouldn't claim that. We wouldn't articulate it that way. We wouldn't say, all right, I'm walking around worshiping myself. But if, if, if idolatry is any time that something or someone other than God is on the throne, right, anytime your fear, your love, or your trust goes to something other than God, what many of us do in our lives is we make ourselves functionally our own gods. And so when it comes to our decisions, we wouldn't say that we believe we're God, but we would look at what God says and what we want to do, and we will choose our own way. Which essentially what we do in that moment is we're saying, I know better than God, therefore I must be God. 
or we'll look at the things we have. And, and when things are going well, we, we are very quick to take the credit for it. Right? Why? Because we see ourselves as the God of our own story. Now, if things go bad, that's another story. Then we're quick to cast the blame. But the moment when things are good, when we have something that's worth having, we like to jump into the role of hero. We like to receive thanks far more than we like to give thanks. See, a lack of gratitude is an early indicator that you think you're God. See, the moment that you lack in thankfulness is the moment you've elevated yourself to a point that God never intended for you to sit in. If you could open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2. If you're using your, the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1,833. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes some incredible words about this church, and he speaks to them about the work of Jesus, and specifically their response as Christians in light of the promises of Jesus. And so, and so I, want, I want to spend some time reading, uh, reading this text and understanding what Paul encourages us. Because here's the good news. Despite the fact that, we, that many of us will functionally operate as though we are God, the good news is that you're not God. Right, because, because and, and trust me, that, that is far better for your family. Your, your family will tell you, all right, I am glad that you're not God. Right, it's better for your family, it's better for your neighbors, it's better for your co-workers. Right, things are much better when you are not God. And so what Paul reminds us here is he reminds us and points us to the one who is God and what that God did for us. And what Paul un will unpack for us is how that then impacts the way we live our lives, and the gratitude that spills out into our everyday life. I'm going to be begin reading in verse 1. Paul says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See, what Paul encourages us here are, are a number of things. One, he points us to the, to the giver. Right? He points us to the work of Jesus, understanding that it, all of our faith is built upon what Jesus has done for us. And, and so he reminds us on a day that we, that we celebrate and are reminded to be thankful... Paul understands that we, we aren't just thankful for, for, for thankfulness' sake, that our, thank, that our thanksgiving has a source. Right? Our gratitude comes from somewhere. And so Paul points us to that. And, and he says, here's the work of Jesus. Here's what is made known to you. And so as recipients of Jesus, he says, live your lives. Live your lives rooted and built up in Jesus. 
See, what's interesting here, Paul uses two different words that speak to the same idea, but, but they come at it from a different, different language, different metaphor. See, what Paul does here is he uses an agricultural metaphor and also an architectural metaphor. And so, so he, speaks, he speaks to an agricultural world, understanding planting, right? In order for a plant to grow, it has to have good soil. In order for the, the roots to, to, to hold strongly, in order for a plant to grow, that right there has to be healthy soil, nutrients, in order for a vine to produce fruit, it has to be, the, the branches have to be connected to a healthy vine. Right? All of this uses this language. This language is built on, on roots. And then he uses the, this, this building language. Right? This, this building language which, which understands that in order for a structure to, to be strong, it has to have a solid foundation. And so Paul is using this kind of language. This kind of language to help us understand what our relationship with God looks like. Jesus uses the same kind of language in John chapter 15 when he talks about when we talk he talks about our relationship to him. See, Jesus also uses this agricultural kind of language when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, what Jesus is doing is he's doing much like what Paul is doing. He, he's saying, all right, you need to be rooted in Jesus. Right, right, your, the life source is not you, the life source is Christ. Because if it was up to you, it, you, you wouldn't be surviving. You would, be, you would continue to be dead in your trespasses and sins. Right, well, but Jesus says, no, I am the vine and you are the branches. Which means on your own... You don't have what you need to live. And so, so Jesus continues. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is the life source. Right? Jesus is what we stay connected to. Jesus is what we are rooted in. And so when we begin to think about our gratitude, our, thank, our thanksgiving, we understand that at its root, it all, it all comes from the promises and the work of Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, there is no life. Right? If Jesus is the giver of every good and par- perfect gift, apart from Jesus, we have none of those gifts. And so Paul's encouragement to us is the same as Jesus' encouragement to us. Remain in Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. No matter what you face, no matter the circumstances, no matter what you do, Jesus is the only one who gives you life. In the moments that you feel like you are dying, it's only Jesus that can give you life. And so when things are bad, look, not to your own circumstances, look to the source of life. When you've sinned and when you fall short, don't run away from the life giver, run to the life giver. Jesus also in Matthew chapter 16 uses the, the building language. Right? He, he, Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, speaking to Peter, he says, and on this rock I will build my church. And so Jesus, using this foundational language, is saying the Christian church, all of the church, will be built on a foundation. Now, many many people will confuse this statement and say, well, Jesus is is speaking to Peter as that foundation. In reality, what, what Jesus is doing is he's speaking to Peter's confession of faith. See, in a conversation with Jesus, Peter says says about Jesus, he says, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God, to which Jesus responds and says, on this rock, on that statement, that promise of the work of the Messiah, on that foundation, the church will be built. And so what Jesus does is, is again, like he does with the metaphor of the vine, he's saying, built your life, your faith, your relationship with God, all of the Christian church is built on a foundation, not on what you do, but on what Christ has done for you. See, gratitude begins when you know Jesus as life giver and the foundation. Jesus gives you life when you couldn't earn it. He gives you forgiveness when you didn't deserve it. And he produces in you fruit that you couldn't produce yourself. See, all of that comes not from your own efforts, but from being rooted and built up in Jesus. And so Paul continues then. He says, now also live your life strengthened in the faith in which you were taught. See, what's interesting about this is this one is clearly connected to the one before. Because you aren't strengthened in the faith apart from being rooted and built up. Right? It's as though Paul is just building right on top of the previous statement. Because what Paul understands is the faith that you were taught in was actually built up and rooted in Jesus. So he's continued to just keep, keep build, pushing into this. Again, emphasizing it's not, an, it's not you strengthening your own efforts. It's you being further and further established knowing that it's not about you. And so Paul suggests here that we don't move beyond Christ. Do we move deeper into our relationship with Christ? See, as our relationship with Jesus grows, we grow a greater and greater awareness of all that God did for us that we didn't deserve. And so Paul says, live your life established, strengthened in that truth. And that is the place where gratitude grows for us. So you may not have ever, ever thought about this, but gratitude is directly connected to your identity. So when you think about who you are, there are a lot of places that we, that we can easily be tempted to try to find our identity. We can try to find our identity in the things that we do, the things that we own, the people we know. Well, the problem with that is, is the moment that we find our identity in those places, it begins to shape our decision and it shapes the way that we operate. And it, and it shapes the way we respond with or without gratitude. See, see when our identity is built upon the things that we do, we, we, we begin to see ourselves as, as, as performers, right? We perform to a certain level, and then we earn certain responses. And so what happens is we, we lack in gratitude because, because if I am what I do, I have earned all that I have. Where if I am what I do, I've earned those relationships. I deserve that kind of relationship. I have deserved those things. Wait, we take a position of pride instead of gratitude because the moment our identity is about the things we do, we don't see ourselves as the receiver of a gift. We see ourselves as the giver of everybody else's gifts. And so what happens is we say, all right, it's my car, it's my house, it's my things. They're, they're, I, I, my kids are the way because of my work, my effort. But notice the language of the scriptures when it talks about who we are. See, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us about who the, who the hero is. 
Colossians 1.14 says, in whom, Jesus, we have redemption. Right? Who's the hero in that situation? Right? It's, it's not you. It's not your work. Right? You aren't redeeming yourself. And if you thought it was about your stuff, verse 16 speaks to that. Verse, verse 16 speaks to that as well. It says, in him all things were created. Which means everything that you have, whether you think you earned it or not, all the things that you have, your house, your home, you, all of it was created through him, through Jesus. When you speak of your relationship with God, two, chapter 2, verse 11 says, we have been filled in him. See, who you are is not what you do. Gratitude is the inevitable result of an, ide- an identity that is secured in the work of Jesus. Because the moment that you are secure, that who you are doesn't change because of your sins or your failures or because of the greatness of your efforts, is the moment you look to God as the source. And so to be established in that means to, for, for our fill, faith to be built and growing on understanding not our own efforts, but the efforts of Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 can say the kind of words he does in verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right, those things that Paul lists would threaten the identity of anybody who doesn't have an identity in Christ. Right, because, because if your identity is not secured in Jesus, death or life, right, that, that can throw your identity for a loop. Where the angels, the demons, when evil things happen, that will threaten your identity if it's not secured. The things going on in this present moment, your present circumstances, or your future circumstances. Right, in those moments, your identity can be called into question. Because of things that you've done, because of things that have been done to you, because of a meeting you had, because of a job change, right? All of those things can threaten your identity. And just in case Paul misses something, he says, nor anything else in all of creation. See, Paul can say that because his identity is secured in the work of Jesus. And so anything that is a threat to his identity is erased by the work of Jesus. This week is an easy opportunity because of the nature of the holiday. It's an opportunity to be reminded of the gifts that you have. Your family, your friends, your possessions, all of those things are opportunities to be reminded that somebody has given those to you. And in the midst of that, remembering the greatest gift of all, that you are a new creation. That your identity is as a child of God. And so because of that, because of that identity that is secured in Jesus, Paul then says, now live your lives overflowing with thankfulness. Right? It's as though Paul understands that the result of receiving all of this incredible goodness from God, this incredible, the only response to receiving all the, the grace, the mercy, and the peace of Jesus is that it's going to begin spilling out into all of your life. The the only thing that's going to happen if Jesus keeps pouring himself into you is it's going to spill out. It's going to overflow. See, gratitude is something that you can't keep to yourself. 
If you've ever given a gift to a kid, you, right, you understand the, the way people respond to a, to a gift. A kid, because of their refreshing honesty, a kid always responds to a gift. Now, now they don't always respond with gratitude, but, you all, but a kid always spills out with it, with their, how they feel about that gift. And so when a kid gets something that they've been waiting for, Right, this is part of the joy of Christmas, right? To see, to see your children respond with, with this overwhelming awe and gratefulness, at least for that day, for, for what they received. Right? It's because gratitude is something that you can't keep it to yourself. It, it spills out. And so when you have been poured into by the work of Jesus, it spills out into your life. It, it will impact your relationships. It will impact the, way, the conversations. It will impact attitudes. It will impact your, your, your own family. See, when you've been given a gift, it produces in us thankfulness. And you know what's incredible about, about thankfulness? Is thankfulness has this like, cyclical way of, of working. Because you can't be thankful without recognizing there's a giver. And the moment you are thankful, it also seems to produce a greater awareness of the giver. Have you ever noticed that? Like if you've, if you've, if you've sat around and talked to people, you, maybe your family, about what you're thankful for. Right? There's this sense you, you can't begin that conversation without recognizing the generosity of somebody else. But the more and more people share, the greater your awareness comes that you've been given a gift that you didn't earn. Or this is the way that that gratitude works. We are grateful because we recognize what we've been given. And as we recognize what we've been given, we become more grateful. And, and here's what's so incredible about thankfulness. Thankfulness defends us against believing we are the hero of our own stories. See, when the temptation in our world is for us to believe that we are God... To believe that we know best, to believe that we can do the best, to believe that we've earned it. Thankfulness defends us from trying to be our own God. Because the moment we are thankful is the moment we take ourselves off the throne. And that happens because we understand that God is the hero. Right, right, think about it. God is the giver. He's giving, he's giving you your personality, your abilities, your talents, your passions. He's giving you a house, a home, your reason, your senses. Right? All of those things come because God the creator gave those to you. He gave to you your family. He gave to you your children. He knit them together in their mother's womb. Right? God did that. Not because you earned it, but simply because he's a generous God. And he loves to give good gifts to his children. And, and, and that same God is, is a rescuer, right? And so not only does he just give good gifts, but he's also a rescuing God. And so in the moments when you have sinned, in the moments when you have turned your back on that generous God, he, he doesn't walk away from you, he, he runs after you. He forgives you regardless of the sin. That there is no sin too big for your rescuing God. See, your rescuing God doesn't, he doesn't wait for you to try to undo your sins. In fact, he comes, his death and resurrection was to make you right with God, not, for, not to wait for you to fix your problems. That same rescuing God in the midst of difficult moments, in the midst of hurt and suffering, he's not the kind of God who steps back and watches it all happen. 
But he's the God who meets you in those difficult moments. The moments you feel like you can't do it anymore. Right? The incarnation of Jesus is about a God who meets us in our suffering. And so we have a rescuing God. Right? That is the generosity of our God. That he doesn't stand back, but he comes to us. And for us. And with us. And it's that same God who gives us the faith that trusts these things. A faith that doesn't trust in our own strength of our faith, but a faith that clings to the work of Jesus. It's not about the strength of our faith. It's about the object. It's about the person and work of Jesus. And so our God is generous and gives to us a faith that clings to Jesus. He creates that faith in us. He strengthens that faith. He sustains it in the moments when you feel like you have nothing to believe in. See, you are not the hero, and that is incredible news. And so as you look at all that you have and all that you've been given, be reminded that Jesus gave that to you. And as he's given you all of those things, he's given you what you couldn't get for yourself. What you couldn't create for yourself, what you couldn't earn for yourself, what you couldn't find for yourself. He gives to you himself. The more and more you know that, the more you hear that, the more that you believe that, the only response is an overwhelming and an overflowing of gratitude. Because gratitude, again, is not the result of what you've earned. It's the result of knowing a generous giver. Right, it's recognizing what James chapter 1 tells us when James writes, every good and perfect gift is from above. It's realizing what Jesus says in Matthew 7 when Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Your Father is a gift-giving God. And he's poured out those gifts for you. Listen to how Paul points us to this incredible gift in Colossians chapter 2. See, Paul began in Colossians 2 pointing us to the gift of Jesus, and he also continues in verse 12, pointing us not just to, to, to the, the good, all the good gifts, but he points us to a very particular gift. When he says, having been buried with Jesus in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus is the hero. While you were dead in your sins, Jesus makes you alive. Jesus forgives every one of your sins. And so the sins that, that you are guilty of, Jesus says you're not guilty. The sins that you feel great shame, Jesus says, says I have died for those. And so he makes a public display of the authorities and the powers. He's the hero. He's 
the giver. And today we hold on to his gifts. Gifts that we couldn't earn and gifts that we couldn't bring. But gifts that we receive. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you give us incredible gifts. That you give us gifts that we don't deserve. That you forgive us. That you rescue us. That all that we have, all that we experience have been, has been, that has been given and created through you. That in you and by you all things were made. We thank you that you forgive us, that you redeem us. And we ask that you, help, you, that you make us overflow with gratitude. That in the moments where we, where we struggle to believe it, that you give us faith. In the moments where we try to earn it, that you remind us that you're the hero. Thank you for your rescue, for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.